Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Rotari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who's quite good at cutting his own hair. I am the Adam Glass, and uh, <laughs> y- yes, in a way. I mean, okay, so you have not. I mean, you've mostly uh, not injured yourself. Mostly, like a lot of people, let's say August of 2020, I really needed a haircut, and I decided that I would cut my own hair, uh-huh. and I did all right. But then after a couple months of keeping my hair at at a nice enough level, I thought, you know what? This will probably last a lot longer than I want it to. And what better way to force the end of a pandemic than to do something I terribly regret? Do you regret so it? So I shaved my head. I didn't. I, I thought I would at the time. I okay. Actually I was going to say, like, um, you've stuck with it. Pretty, pretty tenaciously yeah. for somebody who, well, who seemingly the, sounds like he actively regrets his decisions. The flip side of it is that uh, my hair was thinning uh-huh. before the pandemic um, and certainly increase in life stress. I'm sure my hair is thinning much more <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mine Than too, it was yeah. then. But. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but the real problem is uh, if I try to grow it back out, there's going to be about three or four months where it looks like absolute garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so definitely the, I basically, a serious problem. Yeah, I basically committed to having it shaved now just because I don't like the way it looks uh, when when I go more than two weeks without shaving it. I could just wear a wear a hat for the next year. I mean, yeah, you could become a hat guy. Um, it's a, a totally acceptable uh, kind of human to be. Uh, I've been yeah. told. I don't. I don't know. I I have become a hat guy because, um, like it or not, this hair's falling out. You know what I mean? Like I I'm getting the the buzz cut whether I like it don't or not. Don't be ashamed. Uh, don't be the hat guy. Don't be ashamed. Well, I'm not ashamed. Embrace, I don't. I'm a hat ball. guy because I don't want to get skin cancer, uh, which is which there runs very hard in my sense. family, very aggressively in my family. So. Uh, I have gotten a couple sunburns on my head, and that is the worst feeling on earth. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion over there for a dollar a month. You can help keep us going, get access to some bonus content. We do a non-Criterion film over there each month. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch based on a list usually that I put together, but sometimes that our uh, supporters suggest as well. And if a supporter does suggest a list, I try to get them on that episode. It's always really fun to talk about a movie with somebody who uh, suggested the movie at you know, they they probably like it. I mean, yeah. Generally speaking, we, it, we right? haven't had a lot of like. Ju- I don't think any jokes about submission list. Yeah, yeah. People are like, Not ah, you should watch this piece of shit. Absolutely don't want to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, they just they just vote for the ones when I pick absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, like how Sergeant uh, Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band one. Well, again, uh, I don't. And, I don't. And know. we all live to regret it. I still wonder about that because I don't like 
I didn't know that that even really existed until yeah. you put it on the list. I don't think anyone anticipated it being as bad. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. Pat talks about the Beatles a little bit more often than is healthy. Let's, he'll probably uh, like this Yeah, he'll one. probably enjoy yeah. this. Instead, yeah. I had a brain aneurysm, and this has yeah. all been a it dream ever bad. since because I'm in a coma. It's, like it's, that one movie, a TV show that used to be on PBS. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> sure. Yeah, there was a show. Newhart? That $1 mark also gets you access to the back catalog of bonus episodes. There's uh, over 70 over there right now. So you, you a lot of extra content over there if you want to support us. And we greatly appreciate it because it helps us pay our server bills. And that's... Yeah. I mean, we do have those. That's just good. We do have those. Um, yeah, hosting I mean, is you, expensive you, when you're... Yeah, when you're doing a podcast that's now lasted ten years, hosting. Well, it certainly does add up. We're very grateful for even our one dollar supporters. That's absolutely, but not grateful enough to thank them on air. No, because well, that's I mean, a special tier. They have to wa- they have to listen to the um <laughs> the the bonus episode to get thanked. That's the, yeah. If that's you listen the to the bonus stuff. episode, you can hear yourself thanked no matter what level you are. Yeah, it's like you know uh, just a another nice thing. another advantage of buying in enough to get to the bonus episodes you can hear your nameless yeah said. like do you but like hearing your name for normal everyday episodes yeah for normal everyday episodes the only way to hear your name is to spend five dollars supporting us each month and we also like to thank them on air like this this is you hearing your name thank you so much to i Andy feel like Garrett. this is getting a little Chris Otto, Eric Coronado. it was a little yeah um Thank you so much to our $5 supporters, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, the current swath. A little above that, at $10 and above, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art each month based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note to all of our $10 and above supporters, who we also like to thank on air. So thank you so much to everybody at that level right now. Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, and Patrick Yako. Yes, thank you, all of you. If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion there. You can see past postcards and purchase them as postcards, greeting cards, uh, stickers, some as pins, some as T-shirts. Now, basically, now I go through and whatever whatever feels right as I'm going through. <laughs> It's all I vibes. I think we now it's have all at vibes least one phone, phone case on there. Sweet. Yeah. It's all vibe space. Thank you so much to everybody who has purchased anything off the Redbubble. Thank you so much to everybody who supported us on Patreon over the years. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you all. Pat, this week's movie is Secret Sunshine from 2007 from South Korea, directed by Lee Chang-dong. Uh, based on a short story called The Abject by Lee Chong-jun. Uh, this is, uh, oh man. So mostly, um, all of our excursions into movies from 2007 yeah, well, have been yeah, the 2007, family dramas, yeah. family dramas based around funerals or, uh, weddings or some other excuse for a family reunion to get a big group of people all together. Right, right. And we've seen them from all over the world. Uh, and Criterion really seems to love them. I mean, yeah, they do so seem to have purchased sort of all of them. Like, essentially every yeah. single one that was made. Yeah, perhaps we finally run out of them, though. Uh, I was sort of expecting Secret Sunshine to be that. And it is not. I mean, it is a family drama. It is a drama. Well, it's Sort of. I mean, yes, it is. Loss of I family, mean, it is a family of. drama in yeah. the sense that, yes, yeah, a, a film about the loss of family just a, is a much smaller family yes. than than most of those. Um, it is much strictly 
it's a story of grief and and what a story of grief it is um, yeah uh the literal translation uh is secret sunshine uh but it is named for the town that it takes place in the real city of Miryang, um south korea uh which is from the chinese translates as secret sunshine uh Lee Chong-dong says that uh, he first encountered the name of that city when he was very young. In his childhood, he lived nearby and always thought it interesting that it has such a poetic name. So it really stuck with him. Uh, well, it's like, I mean, does. they kind of bring it up. Sunshine in the, is a weird name for a city. Well, so, the thing yeah. about it is, right, is that like a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes you get very functional city names and then sometimes you get. They they always seem to they always do have like stories associated with them right and and I know that like that's the thing right like when you're especially when you're younger if once you find out what a thing means you start like why is this oh, yeah. like this I don't understand this doesn't make really make a lot of sense like um this is a fascinating name I I will admit that is it is I I'm sure we we all found ourselves wondering the same thing as we sort of uh, went through this movie Hirokazu Koreada. Uh, who directs uh, Keep Walking, or, or Still Walking. Still Walking, yes. uh, Which we watched a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, named this, in The Guardian, he named this as the best film of the 21st century so far. I mean, uh, he's... Just a couple of years ago. It is an... Ex- I mean, like, it is an extremely excellent movie. Like, it is very, very hard to watch uh, in many ways. Like, it's not yeah. impossible. Like, yeah. Like well, I mean the they, the point they make about uh, in some sort of the, some of the bonus features about balancing some of the intensity with a little bit of not just like comedy but like kind of um, having a person who sort of acts as a balance, um, yeah, is does help make it a little more palatable than it could be because I could also imagine a a, a more Scandinavian version of this film that is just. just the grief and is is basically unbearable um yeah this one is is... this one hugs the line right it's like right on the edge of being almost unbearable this movie definitely has a lot in common with uh let's say mid-60s uh (laughs) bergman yeah no i mean Um, it it is is definitely i mean it with with the exception that it is feels like it's somehow coming from the opposite direction. I don't know how to explain that sentence exactly, except for, I, I don't know, like, it, 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 you're 100% right. It does, but yeah. even though it's covering this, in many ways, the same topics and has many of the same feelings, it it is shot differently. Well, it doesn't have the, it doesn't feel ponderous i don't bergman doesn't always either that's not what i'm trying to imply here but like it's yeah it's it's treading it differently yes i think one reason it's treading it differently is that while we are a good chunk of this film like like something like winter light uh is dealing with uh christianity in general or at least a certain type of christianity's inability to alleviate this sort of grief in a meaningful way. It's also in this Korean context, it is not someone who is already a Christian. Well, and I think dealing with right that, right. Which is Whereas Bergman, where Bergman is, is coming, Bergman from, is coming from, right? from like bearing in mind, like there's a lot of like contextual information that has to sort of be play a part in this. That is, that is important. And stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
South Korea is like all it's not like how do I go about this? Like, yes, it's not a pre-existing Christian using trying to use Christianity to deal with grief. And in fact, is actively about the other way this thing happens where Christianity sort of in many ways uses grief as a way to make converts. Um, uh, It is a kind of a different discussion in that way, for sure. It's also important to bear in mind that like we're not talking about someone who for whom Christianity is a wholly alien concept or something like that. Um, Right. This is a person who has been I mean, like Christian in South Korea, Christianity is everywhere all the time, like in much the same way that it is in the United States. Right. Like you grow up evangelized to all the time. It's my understanding that about 30 percent of the population of South Korea on a whole is Christian. But uh, Seoul itself has, uh, I think, 10 of the largest 20 uh, Christian church congregations on the planet. Right. Well, and that's uh, the thing, right, is that, like, correctly. bearing in mind that what so. we're dealing with is e- specifically evangelical Christianity, which, as you know, right, right, right. means that even if it's only 30 percent, it is a very aggressive, very loud 30 percent. Right, and in many right, ways, yeah. this movie is in part about that, right? Like it, it is talking about the way that those that system spreads itself, and, and like, but it's not wholly about Christianity. And much more, much right. effect is, I would argue that the movie is more about how society in general doesn't possess the capability in many ways to make space for grief, and doesn't understand yes. how grief actually works, um, and oh, is therefore like doesn't. And, and so Christianity being a big part of society and this society specifically, it, it becomes about the way that evangelical Christianity fails people in this capacity uh, and becomes about um, how, especially as a method of converting people, it is a um, it's sort of a smash and grab job in many ways. Um, but nonetheless, that's just a function of a part of a society that in general can't. And and right. society in general, because I don't think this is meant to be specifically. I mean, it very much is about South Korea, but like it is broadly applicable to modern society. Just doesn't have the methods in place, the the spaces in place, the understanding in place to actually help people with their grief. I think that's absolutely true, and it's it's lack of community, uh, lack of care. Um. 100%. Now, another aspect uh, where Christianity sort of particularly comes into play in what's ha- going on here is that another big issue in dealing with that grief and the trauma here is something we just talked about fairly recently with, uh, uh, with uh, Life During Wartime, the Todd Solonsville. Uh, with the cheapness of forgiveness and grace right, within right. certain forms of Christianity. Uh, particularly, seemingly, we're also on a stint with the Criterion Collection here, uh, when it comes to uh, sins against children. Right, right, um, right. Well, yeah. yeah it, with oh, Go ahead, sorry. With Life During Wartime, it was particularly, it was... Uh, sexual crimes and approaching uh, the idea of forgiveness there from uh, a fairly Jewish perspective uh, and ultimately boiled down to, you know, we had the one character 
being told that uh, their sexual abuse of a child was unforgivable, uh, that uh, it was not within the power of the uh, of anyone really to offer absolution for that crime. Uh, whereas here uh, we have someone who has committed an atrocious crime, not sexual per se. We don't. I mean, I mean, yeah, I we don't know any. We essentially that that's, also was, yeah, but yeah, but we, we don't. Know. What actually, what we know is is that they murdered a child, uh, and then found Christianity in prison, and have uh, absolved themselves of 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 what they have done uh, without without speaking seeking any sort of restitution. Um, without having even talked to the victims of that crime, right? Um, and one thing we talked about in Life During Wartime is that frequently with, uh, with sexual abuse across the board, be it, be it of children or uh, grooming of adults, uh, institutional sexual abuse, particularly within Christianity, as I'm familiar with it, uh, frequently happens and always gets that cheap grace. Uh, cheap grace here is a term derived from Bonhoeffer, um, who we also talked about fairly recently with our, with our Leon Morin episode. Um, but Bonhoeffer talks about cheap, cheap grace as absolution without repentance, without reparation, um, as opposed to costly grace, which is a, uh, a seeking of repentance that might actually cost you something to rectify right. the problem that you caused. Uh, yeah. And, and so frequently, and this is not just an evangelical Christianity problem, but it's definitely something we see here. Uh, that cheap grace is not only proffered, but it is celebrated. Everybody right. in the church uh, is uh, happy that the murderer has found God and found Peace well, right, and and so God. and that's where we kind of run into the thing is that like we get the sort of you, you we specifically you know talked about cheap grace before, but like we're we're also dealing with the sort of the the sort of socialized uh, opposite side of that, which is like I don't know what it would be termed sort of in a sort of um phil, uh, sort of yeah you know, theological theological way. or philosophical right, sense. Would, yeah. but the the idea of this the other sort of cheap thing, which is the cheap conversion of people in grief mm -hmm. in pain in 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 suffering yeah where you where you just sort of sell them a bill of goods in many ways like this will solve your problem you're not so right. like and and what i was thinking about when i was driving home from work yesterday uh having having seen the movie the day before is that like in many ways what we're talking about here is is kind of core to one of my my big beefs with and then i i didn't grow up in evangelical christianity i grew up in very moderate liberal christianity um which wants to be has at times wanted to be evangelical christianity because it's such yeah. it's such a, a an appealing business right um but basically like this idea of what what many what you were doing is you're selling christianity without theology christianity without philosophy you're not you're not mm -hmm. really teaching people about like because like if you're if you're trying to integrate a person into not like just this sort of 
what I would almost call like blind faith methodology of, of Christianity, but actually trying to make them into quote unquote a Christian, then you can't just like offer them and say like, Hey, guess what? This will solve all your problems. Like you're not going to be sad anymore. You're not going to be in pain anymore. God will just take all that away. Everything like, but that's what they're selling. That's what they're always like. That's what they're selling to her. That's what they're selling to anybody in that situation. Yeah. That's not religion. That's snake oil. Right, exactly. And that's, that's what it almost yeah. always is. And like sometimes yeah. people find their way out of that hole, but I think by and large they don't because it's not really right. a hole you're designed to be able to get out of, right? Like and so then after that you've got a bunch of people who like I'm not gonna say that they're not believers or something like that, but you you've got this idea that like she's failed and not that it's yeah. failed her. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, there's a right. sort of notion that like well we can just pray for her until she comes back or something like that and it's like yeah but you she's not gonna come back because you guys didn't do what yeah. needed to be like you didn't provide for her you 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 told her ah oh, this will fix your problem and then right. when it didn't that's a failing on her part she failed to be fixed yeah. by god yeah and and even worse in in it failing to help her uh she spiraled and like the right, fact it that made things a thousand times to worse. Seduce, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fact that she attempts to seduce the pharmacist's husband uh, means she's going to be a cautionary tale within this faith community. Right, and, and, right. right. You got yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And, and she's got this sort of like assuming he even ever tells anybody, which yeah doesn't there, seem like that will bad. happen necessarily. Yes. But like, <laughs> right, um, right. you know, yeah. She, they, they. Failed her, and in many ways, gave her a view of religion that was wholly unreasonable. Right, like this is going to fix you. You'll be fine after this. God's love will fill up whatever hole is missing in you, and you'll be great. And like, then she encounters the fact that they're selling the same snake oil to the prisoner, essentially, the person yeah. who did her such grievous harm. And that's like that's right. that those. The, 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 those two things can't hold, be held at the same time. She can't. They didn't provide her with years and years and years of, like, sort of theological education to be able to like maintain essentially an f- internal contradiction in her mind. Right. It was like, oh well, it's fine now, and like, isn't it great? Because none of them has been so grievously harmed in their lives, more than likely, right? Like, no, absolutely. And that they can right. they can sell right. this redemption and this like freedom from grief. Because they haven't experienced anything quite like it, right? Um, I mean, because right. like, right. it doesn't take a lot to understand. Like, you don't ha- like, like I when I f- once I knew what was happening because the movie does sort of just drop it on you. Like, you just develop this pit in your stomach. You're like, you know exactly what's going to happen, and it, it's you're hoping it won't, but you know it is going to. It, it's yeah, it's horrible. Like. The movie's not horrible, but what what we're seeing is horrible. Um, yeah, I I I I I. But at the same time, again, society in general also is trying to do much the same thing, right? Like, oh yeah, the, the society in general says to you, you must be over this by now. We do not have time yeah. for your grief. Your grief is wasting right. our time. Like, is 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 bad? Your expressions of grief are bad. Um, you are you are wrong to continue to feel this grief. 
Um, and and that's you know it's whole other sort of separate problem that Christianity is just a functional part of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, the pharmacist is attempting to use her grief as a way to get Shanae into her religion when that grief is just the loss of her husband. Right. right? And then when, and, and she's not experienced enough grief to need, to need that religion yet. Right. Um, well, there's also a lot of mitigating of factors, son. right? The, the movie sort of tells right, us very, right, right, right. very sort of not, not in as many words, but it, it's, it's mentioned a couple of times. Like her husband was bad. Like her husband was seemingly a piece of right. shit. Her, her brother thinks he was a piece of shit. We, we get a lot of right. very vague hints at backstories. They're like she refers to either her mother or her father or somebody as a horny bastard and a couple of things. Like there's a lot of like yeah. uh, sort of indications that there was abuse and stuff and that, you know, and also maybe her husband was, you know, definitely a, cheated on her we don't know much else beyond that but like we get the impression that maybe she's not all that broken up about about her husband's death like as she you know people might imagine um especially you get the idea that perhaps like she's more she's more broken up about how it's affected her son than she actually is about his actual literal death. You know, the movie doesn't like come out and just talk about that stuff directly, but it's definitely she more I I I think more just is looking in the the beginning of the movie just a place to run away from her family because right. it's seemingly they are also uh, a part of the problem, right? Right. Yes. Uh, it is after the death of June that we interact with the pharmacists more uh, and therefore give them the opportunity to say everything happens for a reason. Right. That uh, that the old the this old is all gym. part of God's plan. Yeah, um, which is a terrible thing to say to someone who has just right, lost but their is, child. Like but this. is so, so, so very common, right? Like it is it is a trope for a reason. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, whole theologies have been built on explaining within a Christian framework of why that's not necessarily true or doubling down on making it true or whatever they want to do. Uh but, yeah, just, I was, at first, before I really settled into what this movie wants to do, there are different, a couple different ways things could go after the first act, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even as a really out there interpretation of places this could go, a uh, woman moves back to the small town, her dead husband is from with her son uh and falls falls in with a cult uh is, is i mean the it was definitely at least three horror movies i can right think of. i mean like so. we knew this was, i mean we knew this wasn't a horror movie so i didn't really worry about <laughs> right, that right i i assumed but. initially right you assume until it takes the turn you kind of assume it's just going yeah. to be about her falling in love right you assume it's going to be a movie about right like finding a yeah. good relationship that makes her actually finding happy. a new start. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's not that. Uh, <laughs> right. And the turn I is a bit unexpected, also... right? Like it does come kind of out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. 
until she walks into the prayer meeting as well, I wasn't sure that this was a Christian group. Uh, so I thought we might be exploring. Uh, yeah, you know, like we've, we've interacted with new well, religions. To, before. to be fair, uh, the border between those two things within, well, right anywhere at this point is yeah, just oh, is razor thin if it exists at all. Right, certainly, like, it, you know, a lot of yes, a lot of the critiques I've talked about with new religion um, aim aim very solidly at many forms of Christianity in the world. Well, especially a lot of these, Um, the sort of like newer evangelical sects are really like really on that razor's edge. Again, if there is any distinction at all. And, and for the same reasons, because ultimately most, most new religions uh, of the, of the post-war period, which is when we start talking about the term new religion uh, are in response to socioeconomic conditions more than uh, more than actual wanting new beliefs necessarily the failures of old beliefs certainly actually all of that also reminds me that one of my favorite things i may have shared this with you before i don't know if i've shared it on the podcast but there's a church here in columbus called uh brother timothy's okay it's actually only about a only about a half mile from my house uh but brother timothy's is a church started by missionaries from south korea to columbus ohio beautiful uh and I've always gotten a kick out of that because uh, <laughs> so often in my experience growing up in an evangelical space, um, the people you are sending missionaries to are othered, even other Western societies, like missionaries to uh, European countries. I mean, hell, well, they do missionaries from have. like to like yeah. poor parts of the same country. Like they. It's... Right, right. Uh, yeah. But it's always framed as these places that have secularized or fallen away. But they're not. They're certainly not real Christians there, no matter what they are. Uh, so the idea that someone in South Korea viewed Columbus, Ohio, as Sorry, as one of those this is a, this is a, fallen here, territories, here's a is, godless it's place. Just very funny to me. I really love it. Yeah. I really love it uh, because it's always true. It is always true, no matter where you are on Earth. Uh, <laughs> um. Well, okay, some caveat, not wherever you are on earth, but nine times out of ten where uh, American Christian groups are sending missionaries to are places that already have deeply entrenched Christianity. Right. I mean, there are exceptions. Uh, that, um, there are that, places that have actively re- like rejected Christianity yeah, as, as a concept. Uh, that's true. And there are theoretically still places uh, outside of that influence. Um, right, but bear in mind that, the the, the, that those places have also but... many times sort of societally made a choice. You know what I mean? It's not like right. there's always yes, this sort of idea that absolutely. like the, you kind of get this sort of right right from the get-go with like yeah. sort of this idea of the godless heathen or something like that. It's like, right. yeah, no, I mean, by and large, religion pretty much exists everywhere. You'll hear like weird um, sort of um, every so often you get these old gyms like, no, they... they they found a place that was completely devoid of religion. It's like, no, nah, I'm sorry, man. Right. No, I mean, you found, like, yeah, it may not be like, quote unquote, yeah. what you view as organized religion or something like that, but like certainly people had what, what, the sort of basic Never. tenets of right. belief. Right. Yes, uh, of course. Of something. Yes, that is also, that goes, that often goes hand in hand with, with the type of Christians sending those missionaries, defining right. religion as Christianity in their purview. Or at right. least things that like uh, kind of look like Christianity, at yeah. least, you know. They they kind of understand, but yeah, uh, core like level. we, 
we talked about this with uh, uh, um, Darjeeling Limited. I'm pretty sure yep. about you know the the Christianity portrayed in Darjeeling is a colonial Christianity, but Christianity has been in that area for nearly two millennia. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's, it, just, it's yeah. This is sort of like I don't know. It's just so like I, yeah. we we we've gone a little bit far afield right, of right, where right. we were no, going, but um. To, to, to pull it back. Yeah. Yes. Again, um, it is not necessary. This movie is not, I don't think it is actively out to be a critique of any form of Christianity. Uh, it is just that Christianity is the framework in which she tries to build a belief well, system. Well, I mean, right? you've ended up with a classic um, situation that we've talked about quite a bit, which is like, it's not specifically a critique of Christianity as much as it is of society. And since this plays such a big part in society, it's going right. to end up being more critique of that thing, right? Like you can't escape the fact that like when you become a major dominant force in the world, comments about the world will inherently be comments about you. Like right. that's just the nature of things are like that. It, it, it like, and, and he even sort of, um, you know, in the sort of interviews about it, um, you know, Lee Chong Jun like talks about like this is like not really meant to be like a message based movie, like right. It's meant to be a question movie. The problem is is that like questions are messages and messages tend to be questions. And there's a lot of um, even if you're not trying to make a point, like when you set things in a context, and then you see the con the setting the events show you how the set the context right. hurts and or fails people that's going to inherently kind of end up being a critique, whether you intended it to be or not. And and there's nothing wrong with that. He just is, he makes the, not an argument that it doesn't have it, that he just doesn't go at it looking to do that, like to make a commentary. Yeah. Yeah. He also mentions that he himself is not Christian. Right. Was not, did not, you know, it's not associated with it. Uh, and whatever else might be true of Christianity within South Korea on a whole, uh, this is definitely portrayed as a growing community of Christians right. in, in this town, right? Every time we go back to a mass meeting, it is larger than the last one we saw. Right, right, right. Uh, right. And often in a new larger building than the last time we saw them. Where our director is coming from isn't necessarily, I think maybe he's just picking Christianity as something some of his audience might have familiarity with and enough of his audience has general familiarity with that he doesn't have to define the religion he's trying to Well, but I also think is that like, I think it's what we've, what we're running into here is also, this is just a very naturalistic form of storytelling. He's picked a real place that does exist. Um, and a real way that like the world around him is doing things right. Like when you look at the world, he he looks at the world and he says, well, like, you know, what would happen to a person in deep grief? uh, Who would try to talk to them? Who would quote unquote would try to quote unquote help them. Right. And like, you know, a lot of the neighbors and stuff, rather than like sort of actively like trying to help per se, um, try to be just friendly. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. They try to like kind of welcome her in many ways, at least not necessarily successfully at the beginning, kind of a little bit standoffish at the beginning, 
but over time move into a kind of framework of like well we'll invite her to events and stuff but like and and in yeah. reality before the second tragedy hits she is being integrated into the community like successfully yeah like she she is in the middle of a an event that is is about in integrating her when the second tragedy hits right like right she is has sort of been successfully if not fully integrated successfully has started that process and the the fact of the matter is is that where we run into the hiccup is the fact that like once the second tragedy hits this this the the society just doesn't have the tools it just doesn't have what it needs to help um there are examples right. of the opposite being true right like um you know jong chan when he like he has ulterior motives obviously but we do see a sort of progression over time that he sort of in many ways sort of abandons those ulterior motives and it just becomes one of the few examples of somebody who's just trying to like who is trying to do kind of more active help um and but the problem is that the society just doesn't have the space for it, it just doesn't exist right. in a way the and and so when I when I sorry that was a big diversion from where I was going with that. But my point is is that like I don't think he looked at Christianity and said like what religion can I pick to like fail her? Oh, of course not. It's like who would reach out to this woman? Like what kind of group or what kind of person? And that is would it is absolutely that? true that yes this is that, that's this is the kind would. of group that like when you are feeling pain, especially in a a a very evangelical. Like, a society with a lot of active evangelical churches, they will yeah. 100% actively reach out to you and try to, like, offer you religion as a as a, as a a salve uh, to your pain. Yeah. It's just a thing they will do. Right. And it can work for people. I uh, See, uh, here's the thing, though. I think I don't know that it can. Not not that I not that I think like you know you, we know my stance of religion we're not we don't need to get into that right. too deep I don't th I'm not coming from it from that direction my argument is more at this point is that like the kind of pain she's feeling and the kind of Christianity being offered will always yes. fail they I are not true. offering yes. her what she needs which is essentially Christianity in the form of sort of therapy right like she needs right she needs somebody to help her deal with grief. They are not offering her, we will help you deal with grief. We, they are offering no. is a cheap solution. A way to pretend yes. that grief doesn't exist anymore, which will right. always fail. Right. Has zero, uh, zero chance I mean, of success. Yes. What I mean to say when I say it can work is that there are forms of Christianity that can deal with that. Right, uh, but there. But it's not the form of Christianity. She's one. Well, it's certainly. It's not I, even the way of evangelical. Even I can never say that uh, word. Yeah. That is being suggested here. Like it, what we're. But, but again, the kinds of Christianity you're talking about are not also the kind that are essentially out hunting for people in grief to like right. bring in. You know what I mean? Like, right. What we're talking about right here yeah. is a very predatory behavior. It's not necessarily the people doing it are predatory. Like, I don't think. The pharmacist is like a horrible person who's trying to like just oh I've got to get my numbers up. It's not like that. They they've right. been taught that like they've been taught brought into a belief structure that tells them that this 
is the be all end all solution to all problems. You can just God will right. wish will just make it disappear. I think one thing uh, that is maybe sort of portrayed here too is that the sort of Christianity that makes you feel better to someone like the pharmacist. Uh, and this is a lot of the evangelical Christianity that I have interacted with. It's a very middle-class religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to say that Shanae is not middle-class here, but is a religion that has been designed to solve middle-class problems. Right. It's what even more than middle and, class. It's like middle of the road, right? It's it's yes, Very average levels quo. of grief, average levels yeah. of, of suffering. Right. And frequently when tragedy strikes, that framework is not ready. Right. Well, I that. mean, that's why you do right. see a lot of people when like in who are already even in these religions when they hit yeah. moments of in, intense grief end up seeking different answers right end up right and going that, going beyond their sort of like what and, and there's what i mean though is that that's not necessarily true of all forms of christian religion right like some of them are a little right. bit better set up to provide for people right it's just that like this one's not right yeah it, yeah um <laughs> I mean, to that extent, this this idea of uh, the grief being greater than the organized religion is able to deal with does get us pretty solidly back into Bergman, at least with well, something it, like it, Winter's Light. Absolutely, but uh, I, I think but, it also gets into and but I mean, Bergman has a lot of the same sort of ideas and critiques in the sense that, right. like, what I think you're dealing with here, and boy, man, we are about to do one, a big whopper here. Oh, let's do okay. it. Okay. Let's you are it. dealing with a religion that is built around the functions and designs of capitalism. Okay? Yes, 100%. And in that, it can't, that's why it can't make the space. That's why it right. doesn't have the capabilities necessary to accommodate somebody experiencing insanely intense grief, right? It right. can't because that requires a level of, of sort of holistic personal sacrifice on the part of many people in the community not to say it can't happen. It does absolutely happen. But people who are doing that in many ways are are operating in defiance of the of the social paradigms rather than in compliance with them, right? right. Like you allowing somebody that space requires you the rest of the community to take on great personal self-sacrifice, right? Things right. things that are capitalist imperatives have to be forgone, 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 for I don't yeah. know. Um yeah, and that's is, really hard to do. The system's not set up to allow that to happen. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, until until I just started digging into it, uh, I did not know this existed. But we previously talked about, like with the Leon Moran episode, we talked about uh, anti-capitalist versions of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, particularly liberation theology from uh, Latin America. Um that seek to uh, work against those contradictions. Um, there is within South Korea, Minjung. Uh, Minjung theology is uh, a South Korean iteration of liberation theology. 
obviously not the Christianity we see in this movie. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> but interesting that it exists. Right, um, and 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 uh, presumably, but the problem is, is that there's you run into a lot of really interesting conflicts of paradigm, right? In the sense that those kinds of theologies can't be as aggressively evangelical as the oh, ones no. that are the dominant paradigms under under capitalism, because right, you they, you need to be able to provide the space, right? And providing the space requires you to have a right. solid well-defined community that is like supportive of itself right like that that yes that the capitalism actively Another, works to dismantle right. at all times right right because it's bad dismantle. for that's capitalism a, that's it's really bad for capitalism that's, that's really where we're at liberation theology in all its forms african-american liberation theology within america uh latin american liberation theology even minjum uh exists in a crisis point right uh a crisis point of capitalism <laughs> where where uh colonial capitalist forces have come to crisis point and it pops up in times of revolution because of that uh within african-american contexts life as an african-american in in united states is always a crisis point right uh look at history well and, mo- and uh, most in many ways most post-colonial or well I, I use post-colonial yeah. and extremely it is post-colonial as we define right. it in in modern neo-colonial terms right because ha ha ha, yeah. ha, ha right like post-colonial is, yeah. is a joke of a term in some ways um uh, but it's not meant to be right it's it's post-traditional colonialism uh are all right. all exist in sort of permanent crisis points because they are because by the nature of the things that colonialism has done and continues to do they just have to exist in that spot right um it's just inherent. Um, and so right. you do see things like liberation theology coming about as as sort of ways of dealing with that. But the problem is, is that, like, they are inherently conflicting with that. That means they have to conflict with capitalism. Right. At their core. Right. Um, so to to a certain extent, within the South Korean society we see in this movie— that sort of liberation Christianity isn't isn't something any of these people would be involved with because they don't need to be involved with because they are not living in that crisis. They are comfortably part of the status quo. Um, and certainly that uh, <laughs> workers of the world unite Christianity is not something our main character needs right now. No, either. I mean, but but the the point is, is that when we kind of that allows us to loop back around to where we were kind of going right. with this, which is at, at its nature, like the kind of Christianity that is on offer, that is being offered to her and anybody in grief in these places, is not designed to allow the allow a person to actually truly grieve. Right. Like it yeah. can handle minor levels of grief because, you know, bearing in mind that like different things cause different amounts of grief in different people. Right. The loss of a child yeah. is is inherently an extreme version. Right. Like it is just. Oh, absolutely. And and so like it, it, at its core, probably nearly any form of this is incapable of handling this. Like with the exception of, like I said, ones that are purposely designed to provide intense amount of community support. Like, and like, that's just not what exists in most places. And, and again, they tried to bring her in because they are offering 
cheap solutions, right? And and she's desperate, right? She just wants something to make the pain go away, right? And I really wasn't sure where the movie was headed when we when we when we see her start to deal with losing her child. We, I like this can go anywhere. Like at this point, we are in completely wild country. Like I was like, because like my automatic response is like, well, there's only one thing that exists in the world that will make the pain go away. You know what I mean? So I assumed it was going to be about her attempting multiple attempts at suicide. I I just assumed. Um, Because, like, that's just sort of like the sort of like, you know, and and eventually we do get there, right? Um, But, like, I assume that's where the movie was going. Um, because she, she clearly falls into deep, deep, deep depression. Right. Um, and it doesn't go there initially because somebody sells her a a, a cheap solution. Now, mind you that cheap solution, it's, it's debatable whether or not that cheap solution pushes her further down that road eventually. Right. Um, because we don't know, right. Like the, you know, we don't know where her character was going before before she sort of found religion, well, right? That cheap solution does push her to a point where she decides on her own volition, uh, air quotes around that, in as much as anyone decides anything on their own volition, uh, she decides of her own volition that she needs to go forgive her child's murderer in person. Well, and so that's an interesting, because, like, again, she's been sold a very cheap version of of absolution or a very cheap version of this. She wants the power to have, to say, I, I forgive you. Right. Like, yeah. And and it's a very understandable desire. Right. And a good functioning religion would say, this is a bad idea. You are not at a point where you are, where, where this is coming from a good place. We can work on both ends and, and see if we ever come to a point where the two of you can meet. Right, exactly. Like, but uh, you going out blind, right? And you, instead, everyone says, "Oh, yeah, that sounds like a really great idea." Right. Everybody uh-huh. has because, like, nobody there possesses the 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 full conceptual understanding of what she's going through. Right. They, they, and they, and some of that's they can't because you know they haven't been through this level of grief. Right. But that's that's part of the problem with this sort of the community that we're talking about here is that it doesn't even possess people it doesn't even have within it people who are have experienced this level of grief right like it just it can't partially because it's so new and so nascent right it doesn't have ah we will have you talk to so and so who has experienced something akin to this maybe not as yeah. extreme but like could have a framework to operate on right instead you essentially right. have a bunch of a sort of newly conglomerated thing that just doesn't even know what to do, right? Now, mind you, we do get the voice of reason. Jonathan says, like, I don't think this is a good idea. But he's he's intensely supportive, so he just offers the driver there. And he's Right. And of course he's intensely supportive for for his own reasons. He too, is right? and, he's and got we, a crush we, on her. We, he, he does but, have a crush on her, but we do see a like a real we do see that that develop over time and even by that point you get the impression that he's sort of given up on like the sort of it's become a lot less animalistic over time in the sense that like 
you get the impression like um he mostly i don't know how to explain it. it's kind of crossing the realm of like he just needs to spend more time with her right like we even get that from the director in the sense that like the director sort of talks about him in the sense that like yeah like he definitely has his reasons why he's doing this but it goes on for so long at some point it stops being about like immediate right gratification to a certain extent right he becomes more of a like like even our the director talks about the idea that like well you wanted a you wanted a a, a sign from god and there's this guy who like literally will not stop helping right. you it's the uh it's the old joke about the the baptist on his roof during a flood right right yes yes god yeah to, to save him and a boat comes by and he says no god's going to save me and sends the boat away and and another boat another helicopter and eventually the flood wires raise and he dies and he gets to heaven and he asks God, why didn't I pray that you saved me? You didn't, you didn't save me. He said, well, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What do you yeah. want? Uh, I mean, there is, there is actually kind of surprising a place this movie didn't go. At least I don't remember it going is they don't push on a reuniting in heaven that, that, that uh, June's in a better place and you'll see him again someday. Um, which is good because it would have just encouraged her to commit suicide sooner. Right. Um, I mean, she does eventually attempt suicide, but not not out of that desire. Right. It, it sort of seems um, like maybe the only bit of awareness they have is that like maybe that's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe they are just aware enough to know that like oh boy, this right. woman will absolutely commit suicide if we tell her 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 child is what? in heaven. Now, mind you, yeah, depending on what kind of evangelical Christians they are and what they believe. Maybe they don't think he's right. in heaven. So there's a whole other yeah, wrinkle there. Um, beyond the fact that they don't they don't make that leap to to the spiritualization that that June is still alive somewhere and you will see them again. Um, this is very much about a spiritualization in outside extraterrestrial, I suppose, but but extra physical religious salve for your grief versus something very concrete. And that is not just uh, Shine's story. That is a visual story that we see throughout this movie. Our very first frame of this movie is the sky through the windshield from right, June's right. point of view. Our very last frame of this movie is Shine's hair blowing into the dirt. Right. And we, and we cut on that. It is about a physicality a a concreteness, a material care that this spiritualized Christianity does not provide to her. Right, right. Uh, and 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 the thing is is like um he talks about this also just being about, you know, general like just daily like real life, right? And the idea that like you know, th th nothing yeah. provides you with that care, right? Like, you know, right. Except for like the community you don't have anymore because that's been dismantled basically like that doesn't right, exist right. anymore I, I mean and specifically she moves into a new community so she right. even has like access to less but in many ways that just stands in for the fact that like nobody it's very hard for people to have like meaningful concrete community at this point in society right it just right. is hard yeah yeah well one of the other things that that changes at the end of the movie, though, is that she has established uh, an amount of community with the non-Christian ladies of the community, right? Right. Through right. the through the clothing shop lady, 
who her first interaction with is to turn around after buying something saying, you know what, you should really redesign your entire show, store because this is kind of, this is dark and, yeah. and it's not inviting. Uh, which, you know, sets her off bad, but then they go out. She's one of the ladies who goes out with her drinking right. uh, the night that June disappears. Um, so they have turned around and started a relationship, but then she gets pulled out of that to be with the church group and right. then comes back around. And in those final moments, they see each other again. She says, oh, I have changed my store and you're right. It has, it has increased business. Things are going better. Uh, and they have a very human connection moment where the store clerk also says accidentally <laughs> noticing that their, her hair is half cu- cut says oh you'd be you'd have to be crazy to walk out of a out of a uh right and then they, halfway through right and then they have a and bit then of a realizes moment, right? what she said yeah uh <laughs> to a woman who's just gotten out of the hospital for committing suicide uh gets super embarrassed and then they both laugh about it and then that is that is ultimately the first moment of humanity shanae has in two acts of this movie right right, uh, right. or an act of a half at least um, this first real human connection she has. And she's not able to have that human connection through the spiritualized forgiveness of the church. Uh, and I find, yeah, her her reaction to the murderer declaring that he's found absolution in God um, and the church still pressing her to forgive him uh, and her stance that, well, what good does it do for me to forgive him when God's already forgiven him, that double right, forgiveness right. means nothing. Um, and as a as a counterpoint to what uh, what life during wartime was talking about, how only God can forgive because there are some things too big to forgive uh, in this world. Um, that's still this is someone who's flipped that on its head. And declared that God has forgiven him in this world, uh, and therefore he doesn't need to do any more reparations. And he even talks about repenting, but he hasn't actually repented. He can't repent. He hasn't talked to the victim at all. Right, right, uh, right. Right? Uh, he can't have repented. And and to that point, it reminds me of the 12 steps. Step nine in uh, in the, the 12 steps is uh, uh, to, to seek restitution when possible, and when doing so— would not cause further harm, which I think is a really fantastic way to look at repentance and, and right, seeking forgiveness, right. uh, particularly that last clause, because so often uh, people force themselves to be forgiven. Right, and uh, and that's the thing, right? Is that like, and instead, this guy has just sort of unilateral, but like unilaterally de- declared right. himself forgiven. But it's also worth noting yes. that I am sure I'm beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's what was sold to him in jail oh, yeah. right like absolutely another yeah. s- another group of evangelical christians sold him the idea that like god will just forgive you like you don't have to do yeah. anything like welcome to the club right. and you're forgiven please enjoy the, yeah. the 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 complimentary snacks it's it's like it, it you know, it it really gets into this idea that, like, she, I mean, and, and she's going there for her own purposes, right? Like, she goes there because right. there is a there is a power in, like, sort of dangling forgiveness over his head, right? 
in the assumption oh, absolutely. that like yeah. Now, mind you, are her expectations and ideas unrealistic? Yeah, I mean, even within the context of what she's hoping to achieve, she's living in a fantasy that like he'll beg for forgiveness. Like that's not likely what's going to happen right but that's what's in in many ways in her mind is that she'll have that power and even if he doesn't she goes well i forgive you which gives her the power in in the situation the thing that she she has very certainly lacked for quite a like he took from her and she can never get back right like she in many ways right like there's not only did he take her son but she he also took her control over her life right completely in the sense that like that was her son right and now it's and now he's gone and is never coming right. back like he even if he offers you know something he can't offer the thing she actually needs and wants right it's just interesting how that like both of them were sold a, a bill of goods that is yes. not really beneficial to either of them right like the version of christianity she sold does not help her the version of christianity he sold does not help him yeah like he didn't magically become a better person because somebody told like right because now he does communion once a week or whatever like it doesn't doesn't work that way right and whatever whatever caused him to commit this crime which is not not a question that the movie is interested in exploring at all uh but whatever caused him to commit that crime has not been solved by this right right right. uh so yeah yeah it's (laughs) uh i mean so in in that sense right like this movie is just a like as we talked about though it 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 is a broad we don't know why he committed the crime but there's also sort of the impression that like we're talking about in many ways societal factors and things like that. Like there's indications right. about money and stuff, but obviously that's right, 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 like right. that's not enough, right? Like we don't we can't accept that as the whole reason for it. Um and and so like in the end the movie just become no, I don't want to mean to say just in like a bad way, it becomes a broad condemnation of the way society is structured, right? Um Right. Of the disconnection between societies, um, uh, or between members of that society. Yeah, the person who is always there to be her concrete connection to society, the person who welcomes her into this community to begin with, Zhang Chun, ultimately is there, but doesn't himself know what to do. Most right, of the time, right. He's right? he. Well, the problem is, is that in part, like as we we were kind of talking about before, like this sort of stuff, like. It's sort of a people talk about like it takes a village dumb shit like that for like, you know, kid stuff. But like in, in very much in yeah. reality, like this is beyond the realm of his capabilities to fix like a you can't oh, yeah. fix. Right. And he I don't get the impression that he's actively trying to quote unquote fix. Right. But like he it he's not enough. He's not a community in and of himself. Right. Um, right. We do see that like possibly like. The formation of a larger, as you mentioned, like the the the, the woman across the street who um, runs the the clothing shop, like we're starting to get into the world. We're like, okay, well, we're starting to get into the position where now we might have enough people here to yeah. to make things materially better for her and make th- her life well basically possible. Um, but like that took time, right? And like he, in his best efforts, is at best. 
the person there to like maybe catch her before she actually hits the ground. You know what I mean? Like he's not enough right. to like be a support mechanism on his own, right? Like he's just it, he's not by himself enough. Um and, and in that way he functions as part of the critique, right? Even a few truly well you know, a few well meaning altruistic people acting out altru- like well isn't enough to be a is not a is not a societal support network. I also thought about Leon Morin uh when she goes to that big outdoor church meeting. Yeah. Um and the fact that the first the first bit of rebellion against the church structure that happens in Leon Morin is that uh she walks into the church and declares uh, religion is the opiate of the masses. Um which obviously is well, at its heart one of the ideas that we're we're dealing with here too, right? Right. Um but but our character in this movie's uh similar rebellion of uh sneaking into the sound booth at the outdoor meeting and putting putting the song that just says the word lies over and over again on blast uh over top of the meeting through the same sound system is uh actually legitimately funny it was just very it, it is <laughs> and and well and it kind of like goes into this sort of like you know at this point she's she's lashing out at this system because like the whole sort of thing seems very hollow to her right it seems very it, right. at this point is very very meaningless and like it like it is very funny and it but it's also very like i don't know how to describe it it is a fascinating sort of critique of those kind of prayer meetings in the sense that like it's sort of all facades and moving and moving sort of projections right like it's it's like how weird that event gets as soon as you add in like this really like uncomplimentary music it i don't know it, it becomes it becomes farcical almost immediately it's it's yeah um is a very entertaining i i enjoyed watching her do that that was uh a funny it was a funny bit of the movie despite the fact that like she's just absolutely in just the direst bit of like like she's in real dark dark place at this point right right yeah right um and getting darker by the moment. The scene of her actually attempting suicide is just played so mundanely, uh, so interestingly. Um, and one thing I was thinking about during that scene is that throughout the movie, we get the, we've got this handheld camera, mm-hmm. right? We got the little, the little sway of a handheld camera. And during the first act, and even through a lot of her grief, that makes everything feel more intimate. Right. But there comes a moment toward the end of the second act and, and through that part of the movie where it's not intimate, it's voyeuristic. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially once she's like, once she's sort of like in like such intensely visible pain and walking around. Yeah the streets and stuff and the the camera becomes sort of unable to like keep up with her in many ways right mm-hmm. like it's mostly her back now and not her her face right it's like it's sort of chasing yeah. her around 
Yeah, you're right. It does. And it becomes now we're we as an audience are no longer necessarily on this journey with her. Um, we're just sort of watching the sort of what we think might be the end of her journey, right? Because the movie does right. a dastardly sort of trick on it. Not a trick, but like sort of move on us at the end there, right? Because we see a book we cut to a bouquet of flowers in the back of a car and we don't yeah. know. We just do not know. Now, right, mind right. you, like we we kind of can kind of guess because like it's it sort of revealed pretty quickly, like but we don't know, right? Like John Chun's such a a, a po- like fundamentally like positive person that like yeah. you're not a hundred percent sure that this isn't also just how he would behave as a, his own way of coping with um grief. Yeah, if it were actually a funeral. Right. And we just don't know. And, and it, it leaves us hanging for a very fucking long time. Yeah. Like, you get presumably the impression, her, you're like, mm, this is probably not a funeral at this point. Um, yeah, presumably her brother would have been more mad at him if he was acting in that way. Right, right. <laughs> but but nonetheless, we are we are put in yeah. a position where it ta- you, you're left with some doubts for a pretty long time. And, and again, that comes down to the fact that, like, every step along the way up until that break you talked about we are with her we know what's going yeah. on in her world right like we're we have as much information essentially as she does and then there is that break right like now we don't know we the audience are in are in the dark and now we we have it's no longer our story that we're sharing with her uh and that and that is a really fascinating break like that is a really interesting change that comes over the movie uh yeah yeah there's a there's some good real interesting aspects sort of like that too um one thing i made a note of uh is that uh when she first goes into the pharmacy mm-hmm. and and gets proselytized to, uh, she's left June outside, right, and he disappears while she's outside, right. Uh, so the religion is already a distraction from her thoughts on June, right, right, right. When it's even first introduced to her, right. Um, and of course that's foreshadowing of the fact that he will be gone, uh, which we continue to the next scene when she gets home. Well, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and to a certain extent, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lee Chong Jong, like the the uh, the director, is sort of setting us up, right? Like he's he's making right. it so that when he is gone later, where we have a similar amount of like uncertainty about whether or not like he's really gone or if he's just like hiding somewhere, right? You go through yeah. the same experience she goes through, which is like my son likes to hide. He likes to play a game right. of hide and seek with me. Therefore, she doesn't immediately panic when he's not there, yeah. right? Like, and we also get into a point and point. Sorry, like to totally take a left turn. I forgot about this, but we also get another critique of 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 life under capitalism and life in a world without like the community that we talked about. She leaves him alone, right? She doesn't do that out of ma- we've we've actually watched several movies about this idea, right? This is one of many. This is the this I thought that this 
I once thought that Ken Loach was it Ken Loach who did the ones with the the I'm losing track now. No, it wasn't Ken Loach. You're not. It was around the same time. The one <laughs> it owes a lot to Ken moms, Loach, but right? you are thinking. Yes, you are thinking of uh, Fish Tank. Oh, Fish Tank. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so like yeah, Fish but, Tank, uh, directed by Andrea Arnold. I was of. sadly under the impression that Fish Tank was going to be sort of the most sort of like one of the most upsetting sort of views of this that we were going to get. I was yeah. wrong. And it was, in fact, one of the short films that was a bonus feature right, on, right. on Fish Tank. But yes. But like, yeah, now yeah. we're we're like we're talking about like a very, very even more intense uh, sort of condemnation of this these kinds of systems. Right. Like she doesn't have a community right. on which she can depend to say like, hey, I'd like to go out for the evening. It sure would be nice if somebody could watch my kid for me. And it just doesn't exist. Yeah, but it's also fairly interesting that neither she nor the community uh, blames her being out. I did find that blames interesting. the kid's disappearance. Right. Yeah. Well, you yeah. kind of get it's into this another... interesting thing where, like, it, it, and sort of rightfully so, right? Like, the way we treat this sort of situation now in America and other places is, is kind of a bit upside down in some ways in the sense that, like, yeah, he's a bit young to be home alone in the sense that, like, it could be dangerous for him to himself, right? But the idea that yeah. it's the mom's fault that, that society as a whole has created a dangerous environment is also, like, wrong, right? Right. In the sense that, like, yeah. sh- he didn't, like, get hurt because he wasn't being watched. Society didn't care enough to, like, yeah, but, protect him in many ways, right? But also, Mir Yang views itself as a small town. Right. right? It's, it views itself as sort of safe as houses and doesn't need to worry about yeah. stuff like this, right? Those are big right. city problems. Right. And, and that's kind of what yeah. I mean is that, like, it's... And and she probably bought in, to a certain extent, bought into that hype, right? Like, it's like, ah, oh, well, yes, it's it's it'll be fine right like he's safe enough that he knows not to burn any burn the house down so right right no worries right um which is not as it turns out true but not because of forces that she you know what i mean it's a weird one in that sense right like i will say he's like i said he's a bit young to be left at home alone for sure but like again what was i mean she was offered the ability, the the possibility of joining the community, right? Was she supposed to say no? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to form community, like because, yeah, I mean, they might understand, but like, would they offer the second time? Like, would they offer again? Would right? Would that opportunity be proffered in future to like go out drinking and like make friends? And she definitely needs friends in this moment too. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a heavy movie, man. It, it is, is very a... heavy, and like I do really like, um, I really do like it quite a bit. I find it really. I I, I was really overwhelmed. Uh, it is it is extremely good. Um, I I it 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 is interesting to watch a movie that causes like real substantial grief in you as an audience member. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, right. I, you know, it's not unusual for me to like cry during movies, but boy, howdy, like this one was really rough. Like it was a real uh, difficult experience. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, I'm glad we watched it. I, I really did get a lot out of it. 
I also appreciate, you know, while so much of this movie is just about small town life, right? And and how small town people and, and our director talks about it on bonus feature, how he wanted to, to show everyone just doing what they would be doing, right? Right. Uh, even our main character reacting how they would react. Um, one, I don't know that that's entirely true because there's not, as we've already said, there's not really gossip about our main character. Uh, there is one moment of it, that first scene in the hair salon. Right, right, where right. The, uh, where the shop owner is complaining about her, having told her that she needs to re- uh, redesign the shop. Um, but there's no, you know, like we said, there's no, uh, no talk about it possibly being her fault for not watching the kid or, um, or that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that uh, some of that is derived from the fact that, like, it is, she is, up until that break we talked about, she is the perspective character. Like, we, she right, is right, right, all right. we have to, to understand the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the movie's portrayal of the, uh, of the murderer's daughter as, uh, right. as someone on a similar path to our main character. Right, yes, um, yeah, yeah. She's also had this thing thrust upon her, right? Right. She is uh, as much younger and much more ill-prepared to deal with. I mean, not that anyone is prepared right, for right. Not, this not, level Not that our main character trauma, is, is, right? is, all, is prepared yeah. either, but yeah. Yeah, but she's a child, right? Right. Um, and, you know, by her own admission, she falls into with the wrong crowd. Well, and, you but, see her getting... And, right. And we can understand that those things are directly related, right? Like, we can understand, and as an audience, we're made to under, like, very easily under, like, correlate those two things together, right? And after, uh, I think it's after, after his arrest, uh, Shanae catches her. No, it's before. It directly leads to his arrest. Oh, it's directly. Yes. She calls the cops after she's, after the daughter is looking through the window to tell yes. them and then we see him being arrested like the next scene or yeah. two scenes later. Yeah. That that introduces him as a as a suspect to whatever is happening here. Well, in any case, I don't think the movie wants to imply that she's like part of this or anything. No, I do think it um, might imply though that in some ways she might have a conflicted we we she we might need to understand why she might have gone to look through the window, right? And if we understand right. that maybe she has some, in- maybe she doesn't know, no, but she has some inclination. Maybe she was even right. thinking about coming to tell Shanae that, like, right. her, that, that, like, she thinks her dad did it. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know, but it's very easy to understand that this young woman might feel responsible in the sense that, like, well, A, she might have had a hunch. She may have felt she knew. Combine it, like, she's also could then, by, by, extension feel responsible for her father's arrest too which while right. while it's easy to understand that as like well that you know he you get into a very complicated sort of set of feelings about like the fact that like well he's also her dad right like she she can't just say like well he needed to be arrested right like in her head that's just right. thing she could be like well now right. she's a child like now her father is gone yeah uh and so like uh, does she have a mom in the picture? We never, we so. never meet the mother. We Not don't get we the impression see. that there is a mother. Like certainly, the movie is set up in a way to give us the impression that that's not right. Part of the not in the cards, right? So, um, 
yeah, like we just get this kind of situation where this this young woman we we understand as the audience that the that in many ways what happens leads her down the path that she goes on um right which is also a path that the community does not catch her in right that also does not provided any support right now mind you um we're we as the audience get to understand that and and the director talks about this a little bit but we're putting an interesting position as the audience because um, we understand that, and maybe Shine like she understands on some core level this the truth of this as well. But unlike the first time she goes to offer forgiveness or something like that, she she runs away from it this time, and, and not because right. You know, and the and the director well, talks about the idea that like there was an opportunity there, like the moment existed for her to form yeah. that connection and and kind of like really understand the sort of the sort of existentially the world around her and she fails that time but bear in mind that girl's not necessarily going anywhere so right. we also understand right. that there yeah, are going no. to be other oppor- the opportunity will continue to exist at least for some amount of time right the girl has been redeemed within the society that she lives in right she has now become a productive member of society right right so to speak right um she's got a she's got a job she's got a steady job she's gotten out of the bad spot she was in um that's not to say she's recovered from all of her trauma um but she's managed She's managed to find redemption within the community uh, as the community exists now. Well, yeah, I mean, as in the way that is societally approved, right? Like, she has right. found redemption. Now, mind you, the thing that society is giving her redemption for is not the same thing that, like, she might feel she needs redemption or or, or, or forgiveness right. for from Shine. Like, they're not the same thing, right? Society has offered her right. redemption from becoming some sort of juvenile delinquent that like right did something we don't there's something very indeterminate we un, we understand as again as the audience have have formed that connection a connection that wasn't hard to form right like the community if it were designed in such a way as to like take individuals into consideration rather than sort of yeah. broad strokes could also recognize right like oh well her father committed a crime she has nobody in her life we as a community need to have an obligation to take care of her and, and but that, like that, that's just not the community that's not the world that exists right and so right. we form we, we as the audience very very do like very quickly and very easily form a connection that society is just fundamentally unwilling to make and Sinead will maybe make at some point right Sinead doesn't yeah. go back to the house and then try to kill herself again or something she right decides to do this thing for herself a thing that is in many ways best understood as a community thing, right? Like you don't, you don't cut your own hair because the community exists to right. do that for you. Um, but she's still doing it on her own because she's not yet ready to like go deal with that right. stuff. Right. But, but then the person who continues to be her only tether to this community uh, shows up to help. Right. And, exactly. And, 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 and we understand as an audience that he's still there to try again, right? Like he's, Right. Not going anywhere. He's going to continue to be a, 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 a 
a presence that will continue to try to reintegrate her, right? Like, at this point, we understand him to be far more, um, in many ways, a far more existential figure than he was at the beginning, right? Like, he's no longer just the dude who's, like, trying to hook up with her. At this point, he's right become sort of a me- sort of a metaphysical being in the sense that, like, now he he exists primarily to be the constant link to society that presumably, if he keeps trying, he hopes will someday successfully bring her back in right and we do see indications of it as we talked about before right the she's the shop owner stops her they talk and they they that is a nor that is a relatively normal personal connection right like she's even though she's had a lot of trouble at the salon it doesn't mean that she's like completely lost her only chance to reintegrate right like it's not it's not over yet Right. Yeah. Um, uh, there is one other point in uh, Chine's, um lowest points mm-hmm. uh, that I did really like, uh, and perhaps it's it's a little Bergman esque too, but maybe it's too much emotion for a Bergman film. Um, there's a point where she's yelling at the night sky. Right. Uh, and says and says explicitly, you're not going to beat me. Right, right. Uh, this 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 idea that at that point in her mindset, her relationship to uh the Christian God, the idea of God at least, um, which I suppose is is what we're talking about throughout this movie, not not God god's self but right the idea not some god. some sort of mo- uh, more like theologically yeah. and undefined <laughs> version of god it's... yeah but in any case uh it is now so antagonistic that she views herself as in competition for who's going to who's going to to give first uh she has become some sort of anti-job uh where where she is uh not continuing to love god out of faith but continuing to exist out of spite. Right, right, uh, yeah. I mean, and I, well, go ahead, sorry. I just find that really, really fascinating, a really great moment. Well, uh, and, and like you do see other works of art that sort of kind of get into that idea because you, oh, yeah. you do see like you again are finding like the fundamental sort of like reaping what you sow as far as like shitty Christian evangelicalism in the sense that like you're creating the potential for an antagonistic like relationship with this, yeah, this, you know, this concept, right? At like, least with the idea, but even with the with the with the being itself, sure. right? Yes. Because like you you created an environment where like if he can't solve all your problems, then therefore he must be the cause of your problems. It's one or the right. other, right? Like you can't, you know, you can't have it. You can't like plenty of people do try to have it both ways, try to maintain a sort of very contradictory set of concepts in their mind. But like this is, is a, you know, it, 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 it's not a thing that like is easy to do or even necessarily healthy mentally. And so you end up with, yeah, well we recreated the environment in which she is going to fucking decide that she's actually in active competition with, with God. Yeah. To ruin her life. 
or or, um, or alternatively like it sort of seems like it's sort of a competition not so much about that but like it's a competition with god about like who's in control yeah and and the, and the sort of ultimate expression of control sort of as we get to that break we talked about is well i decide when i die right so is is sort of the sort of most intense like ultimate expression of that concept right is this this notion that like who's in charge here right because like bearing in mind that when she is trying to kill herself she is looking at the sky and 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 i forget exactly what her ter- her phrase that she says is but 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 it is it's highly antagonistic right it's it's very see i win right like i've right i've done it you had no power currently this is our only film from lee chongdong um i don't know how interested this leaves me in seeing his other work uh i mean i certainly i don't know enough certainly about if the him. criterion were yeah if the criterion collection were going to show us more i would i would happily accept i don't know that'll seek any out my um, my thought mostly for, because this is a super depressing movie well, and I, I I don't necessarily want that by choice. Well, that was the thing. But, is like I was gonna, <laughs> I did kind of was gonna talk about, and I kind of didn't. Um, we didn't really get into it. Is sort of like final sort of thoughts on the movie is that like this is really possibly one of the most powerful movies we've ever watched. Like just oh, fundamentally, yeah. just was like life altering. Um, yeah, and and it fits into a very special category. It's a very small, very special category of films that are. Ra- almost life alteringly like engrossing right singular, they, they, really they, yeah singular yeah. they 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 worm their way into your brain in a way that like you're never going to forget them right like they are going to be a part of who you are essentially forever right um but also i would i'd almost rather die than try to watch it again <laughs> right right mainly because like it, it's like i could do it like the time I, I feel like there are a few of these films this is not the only one they fit into this category of like the day will come someday. You know what I mean? Like you kind of know. Like if I sold this on sale somewhere, my ass would buy it instantly. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like I don't have to. I don't have to think about it. It will just happen. And there's not very many in that list, right? Of like I have a I would like to buy list, and then there's the like. But like also even the process of like going to like look for it seems somewhat painful. You know what I mean? Like you then you're engaging with the idea like I want to own like almost grief incarnate and that's like almost scary in and of itself as well if that makes sense like yeah it's almost scary to like seek it out but again if it like just if i just was like walking down the street it was just on sale one day like i wouldn't hesitate right and so it's like well okay but like so how do you feel about it at the end like it's like well, yeah, the greatest movie in the world that i'll never watch again because i can't <laughs> or maybe yeah. in 30 years as like as I wither and die, I might be like I should watch that movie again one more time. Right. Like, um, yeah. or like maybe I have to show this to somebody I care about like a lot. Like I need them to watch it too, so that like now the grief is shared. Um, yeah. But like, I think that's I think actually honestly that's probably the only way I could watch it again is is, is watching it with somebody else saying like we're going to watch this thing, and then it's like but now you're just inflicting you're kind of inflicting harm on another person, but you're kind of not because it's also like revelatory in how it, it's both very painful, but also very revelatory. And so it's, it's like, Oh, well maybe, maybe you're doing harm, but maybe you're not. 
like but yeah i don't i i i would if again yeah you're right if like another movie came down the pike i would a hundred percent watch it yeah what's interesting about his career he's he's written a lot more than he's directed um and he was a writer and he was actually a teacher uh before um he taught high school uh for many years um before he became a novelist through the 80s and 90s and then got into film directing just a little bit before this this is only his fourth film his first was greenfish in 1997 uh just a decade before that uh before this um it's interesting uh his politically uh from what i can gather on on reading his wikipedia uh, he grew up in a really, really conservative, right-leaning city. Uh-huh. Um, but his parents were left, more left-leaning, more leftist. His mom is a descendant of a noble family. Um, so just like his entire early life, very politically weird. Period. Yeah, very, very tumultuous, um, yes, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, he's fairly left-leaning, uh, it seems. Um, he was actually the Minister of Culture uh, in the early 2000s, just before this. Uh, this was the movie, the first movie he made after leaving his governmental post as the Minister of Culture. Oh, interesting. Under uh, Ro Mu Yun. If you look at his filmography, he directs a movie in 2010, and then he's just back to being credited as a writer for nearly a decade. And that's because the the next two presidents essentially blackballed him. Interesting. He he did not get work uh, because of his political beliefs uh, during the Mi Yong Bak and the Park Yuan Hai uh, presidential administrations. Um. Yeah. Uh, Lee says during these eight years, I questioned myself a lot. Uh, what kind of films I want to make and what kind of films am I going to make for my audience? Actually, it wasn't necessary to catch up for such a long time. I just could have easily made films that people wanted to see and a touch of my personal style so that they could be critically acclaimed, but I was looking for my own films. After all, I can speak and talk about at the time I was thinking about people's anger. Everybody I knew back then was angry no matter their religion or their nationality or differences. Uh, so I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if maybe we would be super interested in the movie. Well, that's the thing, right? I'm kind of wondering too, right? Moving it's forward. Like, uh, yeah. Which is burning, to say like, we need to be careful not to paint this director with a yeah. broad brush in the sense of like, Oh, well all these films will be grief stricken nightmares. That's not necessarily right. Um, true. Right. Yeah. Certainly not. Certainly not. Yeah, so he's only made one movie since that uh, that blacklist um, was uh, was dissolved, I suppose, uh, called Burning, um, and that's from 2018. So at least that might be very interesting in in exploring. Uh, but who knows? Maybe we will for a bonus episode. Maybe we won't because. Uh, this is a weird time of year for our bonus episodes. Right. We uh, this, all, this yeah. episode posts in December. He seems like a really fascinating guy, I guess, right. yes. is what I mean to say by all that. As I said, Criterion is not showing us any more 
of his movies. Yeah, I mean, right it's now. it seems like we've got one of those like, well, this is a singular work by this director that is like really amazing. So we're gonna show this to you, and then yeah. you'll never hear from him again. Yeah, but I wonder how singular this is. The movie he made directly before this was also a submission for the best foreign language. Bearing Oscar. in mind that uh, the way the way that um, what's his name? I've I've bought um. Kang Ho Song talks about him is like is very like high high praise, right? Like in that very short like making of, they're yeah. like, oh yeah, I mean like it was an honor to work with such an amazing director. Like, and of course they say stuff like that, but like you get the impression yeah. that like, well, this guy's a very very good director. Uh, yeah, and you're like, okay, well maybe we should see more of his work than a single. Right. Uh, single movie yeah i don't know uh with Coriata declaring this the best movie of the 21st century and you know i don't i don't necessarily disagree no i mean um, i mean i don't know that it will hold forever for me like i mean we're gonna yeah, watch a we are right. gonna watch a lot more movies um but like keep bearing in mind that like at least from a like i i have not been emotionally affected by a movie this hard and I, like, I have cried in numerous movies we've watched but like to be yeah. be this deeply emotionally affected by a movie is is oh, an yeah. unusual experience, and, and that is, you know, not just the directing. Uh, absolutely, Jean Dion, uh, her portrayal here is is amazing. Yeah, the, uh, absolutely. the The very short bonus feature that's only like five minutes long, of just uh, it's partially interview with Jean and Song, our two main leads. Um, but also just some some behind the scenes of them shooting, uh, yeah. Her her stuff in that, it really seems like this is so far beyond the sort of acting she had ever done before. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She seems very like um. Well, it was it. It seems like it was a very difficult experience, but like yeah, I kind of I. Here's the thing, I think this in many ways is kind of beyond the acting that most people have done. Yeah, probably. And the reason I say that is just because like it it it's such an intense level of like pure emotion. Yeah. In a way that like we don't doesn't happen a lot, right? Like Yeah. At some point movies almost always put their actors in a position to like pull back from that and like get out at least somewhat right. unscathed. And this movie just doesn't seem to have that. It's like full bore. Like it, it, it's, it's maybe like what, it, thinking about it just in terms of like we as the audience, right? Like you and I experienced it in a very intense way. It's like, oh yeah, like this movie. Could you imagine being responsible for acting this movie? That's that's yeah. a lot, you know. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the way she talks about Lee is how Michael K. Williams talked about uh, Solens in Life During Wartime. Right. Uh, but basically, I mean, certainly with Michael K. Williams and even with uh, uh, Paul Rubens, um, very incredibly emotional portrayals from them. But right. sort of everybody else in Life During Wartime is purposefully doing something. <laughs> <laughs> like right there's sort of, a sort of affectation built into sort it. of 
Yeah. And well, the thing is, is that like even beyond that, like yeah, those were very emotionally. Some some of the performances are very very intense in that movie, but like I don't yeah. know, this is like some next level shit. Like I'm trying oh, to yeah. think of Absolutely. other movie, and like there are a few. I mean, I can think of movies that like where that we have watched, where where the appearance of affectation has completely dissolved. Like there's just none of yeah. it left, and it's just like feels like pure real emotion, but it's rare. This is in in that sense it might it, it, if it is not singular work it is it is some of the most amazing acting I've ever seen in the sense that yeah. like even with you know King Ho like song uh, King Ho song like his 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 acting is is meant to be a little bit more earthy and goofy but it's still so because he reacts at the right times with the way that like a person would react to the, like in the sense that like, um, you know, when things get intense, it's uh, the way he, I don't know, I'm trying to formulate a sentence here. It's not working. The way he acts where like you get the appearance that it's the character putting on an affect for the purposes of the person around them is so subtle. It's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Like, Oh, this isn't a goofy character. This is a character who is doing things sometimes because he's uncomfortable or nervous and is trying to put the people around him at ease, right? And, like, that's a different thing, right? And I think that line is so hard. Like, you don't, more often than not, that performance just comes off as actually goofy rather than just a normal person trying to, like, protect the people around them. It's, it's, right. The acting in this movie, man, is just fucking next level shit. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. And Song's a great actor. We've seen him in. Yeah, no, no, yeah, absolutely. And like, but like when you combine that with just how raw and pure the emotions are, uh, yeah, uh, from Jean Doyon, like it's it's fucking Jesus Christ, man. I can't. Like I'm like thinking about it is making me tear up here like while we're talking it's like this yeah, is absolutely. it's it, it like i said it's burned into your memory right like you're we're going to be comparing other movies to this level of acting probably forever if if I not verbally fair. at least mentally we'll be going right you you in your mind you'll be like yeah but it wasn't as good as that was it not yeah. really. it's good but yeah. it's not as good as that right yeah and you know Lee's obviously a very good director for other reasons. Um, but so often what we experience in the Criterion Collection are movies just because it's good directors. Right, and, right, right. And something with such an acting tour de force. Uh, it's really, I mean, it, just thinking offhand, I've got to go all the way back to uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc to get okay. <laughs> to get even something uh, as as poignantly acted. As, as our main. I, I mean, I don't I know. I, I've lost track of what things are in what order. I, I and that's that's probably unfair would, to a lot of movies we've watched is, over the years. I mean, I would say that a lot of the, stuff. That's in the, the first one that comes to mind. It kind of <laughs> brings to mind, and this is like it brings to mind some of the acting we get in like your Wong Kar Wise or something like that. In the sense that, yeah. um it has the same lack of sort of affectation built into it. It's sort of like, no, I want the actual emotions. I don't want the affectation of that right. emotion. Um, right. I'm trying to think of other, there, there are other examples, but like, 
I, I, I'm starting to like, you know, because like when you think about like move, other movies we really loved, like there were a lot of movies we really loved, but then like in hindsight, upon reflection, in comparison, I'm like, yeah, but there was still the element that I could tell an actor was acting. You know what I mean? Right. And right. and this one is so that feels so yeah. and, like removed from this. Yeah. And of course the other the other aspect of all of that is so many of the movies we watched over the years, the director is so intent on uh eliminating the pretense of acting that one way or another we uh well, right, yeah. I mean, like when you really like yeah. when you in hindsight, be when it you who's reflect, cast or right. how they're directed or whatever, yeah. Well, and and yeah, and as you mentioned, like in so in so many of those ca- t- cases, right, we're talking about monumental directors who have this sort of like very their director style, and like there's definitely a style here, but again, like to a certain extent, like Lee seems to be operating in this sort of idea of like trying to eliminate some of that pretense and he in many ways seems to have disappeared into the background of the film in the sense that like he's he's clearly he's in charge like he means making the movie but like it doesn't feel like it's trying to hit you over the head or anything with with a lot of um sort of like ah this is my here are the stylistic choices i've made you must you must admire how how brilliant they are um no, it, it's I I'm I'm deeply fascinated by this. This movie is it's amazing. I can't. Uh well, yeah. Now we got to go about our normal day after this. <laughs> well, I get to go to bed. Yeah, you, you get to go, go to bed. I day. get to go about my normal day with this in my yeah. head for the rest of the day. Lucky me. Yeah. Um. Well. <laughs> terrible news about next week's movie. Okay. <laughs> because whatever it is. It was gonna. It was gonna feel real different to Secret Sunshine, right? Yeah. Uh, but it is in fact a uh, quote dark comedy, uh, directed by Roman Polanski. Oh fuck! Cold a sack. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why did they do this to us? This this feels this feels <laughs> actively aggressive towards us specifically. <laughs> it, it does. It does. We are uh, if. If we weren't still ahead of where we were when we started recording the podcast, it would feel like, like the this was done on purpose. Was, yeah, it would feel it would feel like it was done on purpose. Yeah, it would feel actively. We've joked about that before. We're still not to the point where it would be possible without Scorsese's time machine, which oh, no, we know Scorsese's they have access machine. to. Let's be very which we clear. Know they have like let's to. let's not fuck around here. Yeah. They they have access to it, but yeah. Um, I often end this podcast by saying we look forward to the next movie, but I don't think we've ever looked forward to watching a Roman Polanski movie. No, not even so. a little bit. Like, I'm so... Yeah. And it, and this is maybe the least I've ever looked forward to it, just because, like, we're going to go from a truly revelatory experience to now I have to talk about this guy again. <laughs> uh, and there's going to be 8 million fucking bonus features in which I'm just going to have to watch this guy go around being this guy. <laughs> probably. And we're all going to pretend like this is fine and normal. It's, it's I mean, you and I are, but at. like the entire, the entire blue, bear in mind, this Blu-ray came out in like the DVD slash Blu-ray of this movie came out from Criterion Collection. When? 
Like 2010. Yeah. It came out in fucking 2010. Maybe 11. And the entire Blu-ray is just going to live in a fantasy world of like, now nah, we, this guy, this is fine. We'll just talk. Yeah, we'll just, we just got this movie by this guy. It's like, fuck off, man. Okay. Now I'm angry. Okay. We have to stop because we're ruining okay. what was a very good experience. Pat, take a breath. I'm so sorry that I mentioned too early. That, that we've yeah, got this should have been like, uh, all right, Pat, by the way, next movie is a, next week's movie is a Roman Planes movie. <laughs> Just hang up. Just bye. like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> yes. yes. Should have. Should have. Uh, anyway, this week we've been talking about Secret Sunshine. Just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, directed by oh, Lee Chong Dong Just, from 2007. Such a great movie. I like, oh, uh, God. I, yeah. Oh. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm, as always, Lee Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been listening to Lost in Criterion with co-hosts The Adam Glass and John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. With the collapse of Twitter, who knows what social media we might end up at. How about Blue Sky? That sounds great. Check out the official podcast account at lostincriterion.bsky.social. Jonathan Hape does our music, and you can check out more of his work at jonathan-hape.com or on any music streaming service. And you probably should. He's pretty good. A big thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join their ranks at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>